Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of your weekly episodic hockey show, Crash the Net, along with my co-host tonight, Dylan Sobo. Dylan, how you feeling tonight? First of all, I think that was the longest intro to the show we've ever had. <laughs> um, feeling pretty good this week. You know, we wrapped up the weekend on a pretty great high note. Our predictions will go over did not go as well if my math was done correctly we shot one for four mm-hmm. not too great numbers no nope. on the other hand though the deciding factor the ducks and the flames game i picked the ducks you picked the flames mm-hmm. fortunately it was kind of a toss-up but man it doesn't get any closer than that yeah but of course you know best we could have done was 50 percent yeah. didn't didn't work out I had to have the long intro for a reason. We are at episode 18. Episode 18 now. How crazy is that? Unbelievable. Episode 18. Starting with the first game of October 18th. On episode 18. So the Ducks... We didn't plan that. No. We did not plan that. Nope. So the Ducks played the Flames in which the Ducks took control and went three, won their game three to two in overtime. Cam Fowler, Ricard Raquel, and Jamie Drysdale's uh, score for the Anaheim Ducks. Drysdale scores the defining goal in overtime to put the Ducks three to over three to two against the Flames. Uh, Blake Coleman scores his first goal in a Flames jersey. Uh, in the regular season. Yeah, in, in, the, in the regular season with the assist from Johnny Goodrow. And then uh, Elias Lindholm will score the goal, the second goal for the Flames, making the the game. It, it was 2-1 to one at the time. And then Ricard Raquel and Drysdale would put the game away. It was, uh, Flames looked to be in control, had more shots. Their face-off percentage was strong at 53. The Ducks just controlled on the power play units. Uh, they had a lot of hits. The, the hits were pretty much even between both teams at 14, but there were more blocks, giveaways, and takeaways from the Ducks. Uh, Ducks didn't show that much strength in the offensive zone, between all three periods, but really shined in OT. <clears throat> so, um, it, I, I'm guessing, I didn't watch this game, but I'm, I'm going to take a while to guess that the penalties may, be, have, may have been the deciding factor. You pretty much hit the nail on the head there, my guy. I actually watched this game because I knew this one was going to be close. <laughs> And if I'm not mistaken, in this game, the Flames initially took the one nothing lead. Yep. And the, the Ducks had to come from behind in this one. Um, but you pretty much covered everything I was going to say. You no, know, it's pretty much a toss-up. Uh, Got to tip your hat to uh, Gibson and Nett. You know, I want to say 41 saves, um, two goals allowed. You know, fantastic, fantastic numbers there. And it seemed to me like it was also all flames on each offensive zone. So, 
even as the period shifted, it seemed to be all flames. They just couldn't get the job done at the end of the day. Great, fantastic game. Yeah, and John Gibson was actually the number one star of the night that night. Blake Coleman and Johnny Goudreau getting the other two stars of the night, but John Gibson at number one. Yeah, Gibson played a fantastic game. You know, a lot of offensive pressure and just didn't let a lot by him. Yeah. You know, end of the day, Flames offense just got to keep getting those pucks to the net. You got to start looking for those dirty goals. Can't keep getting pretty with it, boys. Nope. Got to gotta play the full 60 minutes. Can't be too pretty. Goals got to go in and pucks got to go into the back of the net. You got to be accurate. Timing is key, especially on faceoffs. But like we said in uh, – podcast prior to this one you know it's it's doing everything right at, from the start of the game to the end but uh moving right along to the next game the blues dominated against arizona seven to four on the road in arizona not looking too great for your coyotes here to start the season fortunately <clears throat> not however staying positive staying calm. Gila Rivers just got to keep breathing. Fans got to keep on breathing. You come up short, but at the end of the day, you just got to get the monkey off their back, and one's going to show up eventually. I don't know when it will be. I don't know how far out it is, but it seems to me like home or away, they just can't can't get it done. But they got the roster to do it. It's just they got to they gotta come together. You got to Make it work. Got to make it happen. Let's go. Let's get one. Uh, Clayton Keller would score the first goal of the game for Arizona. That would look to shine some light as well as it being a power play goal, but Pavel Bucinevich would uh, respond his first goal in a Blues jersey in the regular season. Uh, so would tie the game up on a slap shot assisted by Jordan Kyra and Tori Krug. Take notes. It's one-to-one right now. Lawson Kraus for Arizona would score again off a, an assist from Phil Kessel and Shane Gustaspear. But again, the Blues would answer back. Justin Falk, Jordan Cairo, Clem uh, Costin on not just one but two goals, his first two goals of the regular season. Jordan Cairo would score again his second goal of the season. Uh, not looking too great for Arizona as they start to slip in their offense and in their nope. defensive zone. Uh, they had the lead. It was 2-1, to one, and you called it 2-2. Two to two, And at this point, I want to say it is 3-2 to two to the Blues. Yep. And then Clem Costin puts two pucks in the back of the net. Jordan Cairo scores his second. And then Christian Fisher for Arizona will score uh, at the – near the very beginning of the period at 525 in the third off a wrist shot assisted by Keller and Gostisbeer and then Travis Boyd would score for the last time for Arizona but that uh that wouldn't silence the Blues as Ivan Barbashev would score 1225 into the third assisted by Robert Thomas and Vladimir Tarasenko ending the game at 7 to 4 Shane Gostisbeer so, being the third star of the game, and Clem Costa and Jordan Cairo taking the number one and two spots. So if my calculations are correct in this one, that's five unanswered goals for the Blues. And um, unfortunately, the uh, the Coyotes were on the receiving end of that one, and it was not 
fun to watch. If I could say... I, I did not have a good time. For those keeping score, Arizona has one point this year. <laughs> yeah. If I could, <laughs> not. If you want to look at any positive notes coming out of Arizona, their face-off percentage is at 50.9% this game against the Blues. That is like the only positive thing that I can say about this game. Other than that, the Blues can just dominated, completely dominated. 33 shots on goal compared to 26. They were 1 for 2 on the power play. 16 penalty minutes compared to Arizona's 18. Arizona just couldn't seem to stay out of the box either. 15 hits from the Blues, 13 blocks, 6 giveaways. 6 takeaways as well. But the Blues just completely dominated this game. Up and down the ice, looked to dominate uh, the neutral zone, looked to dominate offensive zone as well. You know? And... Everything that Arizona did, it cost, you know, it cost them the game. Everything that they did on that ice, all the penalties, a lot of penalties coming out of Arizona. So, I mean, staying out of the box is key to winning a game, but or key to really staying in a game, which didn't seem like that they could do. No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And as far as the face-off percentage goes, which is like the one positive you can take away from this game, it's only 50%. You know, 50-50, flip a coin. There's no consistency there. You got to win your face-offs. You can't, you can't go out there and be like, oh, are we going to win this face-off? Jeez, I don't know, flip this coin. To, to be fair, St. Louis had a 49%. But... I'm just saying, to be fair, the Blues were dominating the game. And most teams that we've been looking at since the beginning of the regular season, their face-off percentages have been anywhere near, have been probably 50% or above, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So the Blues dominating that, I think that that's the only thing that they need to work on uh, in the next game that they, that they play in was that they need to be better on the face-offs. And it's not easy. Timing is everything. So, correct, yeah, you, correct. And of course, you gotta kind of cheese it a little bit. You gotta gotta kind of squeeze in there, get away with a little call from a ref, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you fix that, and you stay dominant. You work in the offensive zone. You work on clean, clear cut passes to your wingers and your defensemen. As long as your defensemen are at the points and there's accurate. And I know slap shots aren't the accurate shot, but as long as they're at least attempting to be accurate and you got have guys in front of the net, what can you be disappointed with? I mean, the Blues, it, it, was, a, it was a clinic. They ran a clinic against Arizona. Absolutely. Clinic's a great word for it, a great headline. I mean, no, no, no better way to put it. Like you said, five unanswered. It, it was, they, they put on a clinic. It was basically like, Hey, you guys aren't doing it. Let me let us show you how it's done. So yeah, exactly. I mean, Arizona just—they need to work on everything on this. That need to work on staying out of the box. Need to work with their defensemen and their special teams units. Need to work on a face-off. Well, I mean, their face-off percentage was pretty good, so I'm not, I'm not gonna fault them there. I mean, they they were playing against St. Louis, and their face-off percentage was decent, but. They can. There's always room for improvement. They can always work on it. Uh, they didn't control neutral zone, neutralize at all. 
they didn't control the offensive zone. They couldn't even protect their defensive zone. So it, it looks like an all-around, uh, an all-around working here. But next up, we got the Rangers taking the two-to-one win against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road. Mika Zibanejad and the Breadman Artemi Panarin scoring the two goals. Zibanejad unassisted, Panarin assisted by Zibanejad in overtime. Michael Bunting scoring the lone goal for Toronto at 136 into the second off a tip-in shot, if that even counts as a goal then. But Igor Shesterkin, number one star, number one star of the game, Artemi Panarin, number two, and Jack Campbell at number three. It looked like a fairly decent game. Toronto had more shots, therefore controlling most of the offensive zone. Their face-off percentage incredible against New York at 75.9 compared to 24.1. Both teams are for three on their power play. Uh, six penalty minutes apiece. So pretty even there. But more hits coming out of New York at 33. 14 blocks, 17 giveaways, 11 takeaways. It looked like Toronto was completely controlling this game. It was just Artemi Panarin. You can't leave the bread man alone in overtime. Scores off a wrist shot, 348 into overtime. Seals the deal for New York. On to the next one, right? Absolutely. I agree with all the points that you made. You know, bread man with the overtime winner. Fantastic shot there. And you mentioned the amount of hits. But I noticed that all of the hitting was massive on the near boards. And it was so much fun to watch because it was right in the crowd's face. And it was just boards just, just flexing the whole way. Oh, yeah. It, it's the it's the kind of hockey you want to see. It's the up and in your face. It's, the, it's making you want to sit on the edge of your seat, stand up if you want. Especially if you're up against the glass, man. That It's just that's one of the most prettiest sights in all of hockey is when you're up against the glass and you see like big hits in front of you. I remember as a kid watching Scott Stevens nail guys into the damn boards. So much fun to watch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the one thing that I learned from being pretty much like ringside like right on the glass is don't put your beverage on the boards. No. Bad idea because it's either going to A, end up in the person next to you or it's going to end up in your lap. Yeah, not my cup of tea at all. Not a fun night for anybody who does that, but fun night for the Rangers as they take the two-one win over Toronto. Yep, pretty much near the tail end of that game, it all came down to goaltending, and it just happened that one was better than the other tonight. Hats off to Shesterkin. Yeah, absolutely. And then on to the next game, the Kraken not looking too hot as they fall one to six against the Flyers in Philadelphia. I'm sorry. Claude Giroux scoring his second goal of the season in the first at uh, 9-18 of the first period. Travis Konechny not far behind at 12-12 of the first. Derek Brassard, Ryan Ellis, you know, Justin Braun, that's freaking five unanswered. It didn't and like that was three goals in the first, three goals in the second. 
Three goals. Two goals in the second, right? Two goals. I'm sorry. I was looking at Carson Soucy's goal from Seattle, the lone goal scorer, and then Joel Farabee putting the game away at uh, 525 of the third, assisted by Cam Atkinson and Derek Broussard. Another team who put on a clinic, Philadelphia against Seattle. Yep. It looked like... Um, what I, the interesting stat that I noticed in this game was Carter Hart ended up with the top star yep. in this one with 23 saves and allowing one goal. I honestly didn't feel like he had much action there in net. And the ones he did face, you know, obviously they didn't have many great chances and great looks. But, you know, Carter Hart comes out with the top star. Obviously great to him. Awesome for his teammates. And the Flyers doing exactly what I said they need to do. They come out with that quick start. You keep the energy through the first and second period. Obviously, you start blowing out the other team. Fans are out of it. It's pretty much a walk in the park after that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a complete walk in the park. Took the words right out of my mouth there. It's like Seattle came right into Philadelphia, and Philadelphia kicked them right back out. It's just yeah. like no, and that was a battle like, of five on five, right, Mike? There was there was no real penalties in that one, I don't think. No, actually, no. There were a lot of penalty minutes in this game. A lot of penalty minutes. Forty six coming from Seattle, forty from Philadelphia. <laughs> the Seattle zero for four, Philadelphia zero for two. Phillies oh, face so off. they had their looks. They just didn't convert. Right. Yeah. Okay. So nothing. Nothing much doing there. But, no. man, that's a lot. Jeez, you start paying rent in that box. Yeah, you're talking about 86 minutes total between both teams. Jeez. 20, 40, 60. That's, that's four periods worth of penalties in, in a span of three. <laughs> yeah. Seems like every minute somebody was in the box. Unreal. Unreal. That had to be a lot of fights, a couple misconducts. You know how it is. Jeez. Just another Don't day. Don't get the refs mad. Just let them do their thing. Yeah, just another day in the hockey realm. And moving into Tuesday's games, day of my birthday, I'm sorry, I had to mention it. Happy birthday, by the way. For Thank those you. who missed it, it was Mike's 28th birthday. 27th. Thanks for making me feel like an old man. Is it 28? 27. 27, my mistake. My, I always calling him old at 27. My bad. Um, but happy birthday to you, my guy. Thank I you. hope it was a great one. You know, I wasn't there, but a lot of fun. You know, I'm sure you had a fantastic time. Anyway, handful of high scoring games on this Tuesday. I'm excited to get into this one. Yep. <laughs> At the end of the Monday games, Seattle fell to the Flyers. In the beginning of the Tuesday games, Seattle fell to New Jersey, two to four at the Prudential Center. Not looking too hot for Seattle either. Dawson Mercer starting the scoring out in New Jersey, putting the Devils up 1-1 with an assist from Tomas Tatar and Ryan Graves, 5-0-2 into the first off a snapshot. Damon Severson follows through his first goal of the season, assisted by Jack Hughes, and again, Ryan Graves, 6-42 into the first. It is now 2-0 at the end of the first period. Not looking great for Seattle. And then Seattle opens the scoring in the second period as Riley Shahan will score 10.05 into the second, assisted by Adam Larson and Vince Dunn on a wrist shot. But New Jersey would answer back quickly with Jimmy Vesey scoring his 
first goal of the season, assisted by Andreas Johnson and Colin White, 14-48 into the second. Devils up 3-1. Not looking too pretty for Seattle right now. End of the second, it's 3-1. And 29 shots on goal for New Jersey, 20 for Seattle. And going into the third period, it looks like that Seattle needed to have lit in the... They had a, a fire lit underneath him as Jared McCann scores goal number three in his career, and er, in this season, I'm sorry. Assisted by Mark Giordano and former Lightning forward Yanni Gord. 14-41 into the third on a power play goal. But, like I said before, New Jersey answers back very quickly. 19-40 into the third, Pavel Zaka scores on an empty netter. Putting the Devils up, 4-2 at home. Thoughts? So, Mike, did you watch this game um, live by any chance? Uh, I only saw highlights. I, yeah, I wasn't home to watch this one. But I, I've seen a lot of the highlights. Loved, loved Jimmy Vesey's goal here. In the second period, 1448 into it on a snapshot, as well as Damon Severson. Always love to see Damon play. Good to see him back out on the ice and scoring his first of the season. So I watched this game, and I want to say it was on ESPN Plus at the time I was watching this game. This was the longest NHL game I think I've ever watched, and I can tell you exactly why. So the amount of whistles in this game was ridiculous I, I seriously I didn't think I was going to make it I, I really didn't think I was going to make it through the second period so the total amount of faceoffs Seattle won 40 faceoffs and the Devils won 38 right there that's 78 faceoffs total yep yep and then you have the penalty minutes on top of that. So on top of all of the whistles to result in a face-off, where sometimes the drop you drop the puck and whatever, oh, unfair drop, what have you, some guy gets tossed out. That's another 30 seconds right there. Penalty minutes in this one, 35 for the Devils and 41 for Seattle. And that totals at 76 penalty minutes. So that's almost a full period more than what's actually necessary to complete a game. Mike, I thought I was going to be there till tomorrow. Seriously, I really did. We've experienced longer hockey games. Need I remind you of the five extra periods of overtime for the Lightning's round one series last, not not this past, but the prior season when we were playing uh, Columbus. Okay, fair, understandable, but of course that's the playoffs. That's games that come down to all or nothing. Still, and lo- it's that, ones you don't mind watching. Still, this that's is one the longest where it's game. like, okay, I've got how many more games that I need to be watching, and this one just was on and on and on, and then whistle, and then whistle. And it was the third period. I said, please, no icing, please. Yeah, no. I'm that just was like, one of those. It was one of those. You know, obviously happy the Devils came out on top. Unfortunate fans got stuck there for so long. But man, that game must have been going on 
I would say close to three, 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 almost three hours and three and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, long game, but love that the Devils pulled out the win, especially in Seattle. It, it's the Devils looking hot to this season, man. No pun intended. I know they're the Devils, but they're in the season white hot right now. <laughs> white hot. Seriously. Miami Heat might have something to say to you for that one. I'm just saying, man. When you start the season out the way they do, I mean, I don't think they lost one game in the preseason. And then they open up the regular season with a bunch of wins. So I'm not disappointed. Can't say the same for the Lightning as they fall 4-1 to at home against the Florida Panthers. Very, very, very nasty game. game. It was a very winnable game. Very winnable game. Penalties cost us. 0 for 6 on our power play. 1 for 3 for the Panthers. 6 penalty minutes for the Lightning. 12 for the Panthers. 26 hits for the Lightning. 25 for Florida. 15 blocks. 5 giveaways. 7 takeaways. 31 shots on goal. This 60% on the faceoff. Lightning could have definitely dominated this game. But Florida came in and just took it from them. How do you feel about Spencer Knight's performance in that the last couple times we had to face him? Obviously, this was his first start for the Panthers, but we've seen this man in net a couple times in the past, and he puts on a show each time. Absolutely. like, And I, I think it's partly to him, but I think it's more so to their defensemen. Their defensemen just played well. You know? They they were they were strong, they were quick, they were determined. The lightning just I, I feel like that this was just a rivalry game for them and that they were just heated and and, and wanted to get this win. I think that they were I don't know. I, I wanna say that the the lightning kinda were angry, upset because of the last few times that they faced the Panthers it's a lot of neck and neck, a lot of back and forth it's becoming the rivalry that we've known it that we've known it is, you know what I mean yeah, exactly and then right off the bat you compare like each team's box and I know this that really is nor here nor there obviously but when a game is extremely one-sided, you can tend to like look at a stat and know which team pretty much was the overall winner of the game. And you just look at the, the plus-minus, and you click on one team and you click on the other, and it's night and day. It is absolutely night and day. And th this poor Lightning roster really took a hit here. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of goal scoring here. A lot of shots, but not a lot of accurate shots. Brandon Montour opens the the scoring for Florida at 6-12 into the second. There were no goals scored in the first. Montour's goal is a power play. Braden Point opens up the scoring for the Lightning, but sadly he'll be the only one that does. He's assisted by Victor Hedman and Jan Ruda, 2:36 into the third on a slap shot. Brady yeah, you point. know, he scored. I thought it was going to be the spark that they needed. Could have gotten him going. Just wasn't there. 
the only positive pretty much coming out of this game, which we usually always say is just the face-off percentage, you know. Just got to win those face-off, gives your team the best opportunity to potentially get pucks to the net, get some goals, hopefully, and, you know, just got to roll with it. Unfortunately, it wasn't their night. Yeah, just not a lot of strong play. The only thing that I can say is the face-off percentage was there. Not, like nothing really else that I can that I can really think of. No, I would have mentioned it, and it, it's just not there. Yeah, moving on, we got the Stars against the Penguins. Stars taking the two to one win against Pittsburgh on the road. You got Michael Roffel who opens the scoring at ten. At, sorry, not ten. Nineteen fifty into the first off a snapshot. That'll close out one nothing in the first. John Marino scoring for Pittsburgh. Tie game 1-1. No goals scored in the third. No goals scored in overtime. Therefore, we go to a shootout. A lot of saves being made. But Joe Pavelski and Alexander Radulov come up big with two goals in in, uh, the shootout. Putting them over against the Penguins. Looked like a pretty even game. Braden Holpe had a phenomenal game. I mean, what was it? 29. He took 29 shots and allowed one. Or 28 yeah, shots and allowed much. one. Yeah, pretty much. 28 shots allowed one. 27 saves on the day. Not bad for Braden Holby. You know, he, he has always been known to perform well, especially when he played for Washington. Uh, I don't like that he's being moved so much. I feel like that he's well enough to play for one team but you know good moves for Brayden Holby I'm I'm glad he comes up big here with the win yep looks like um Kudobin started um the week before he started the Senators game on that Sunday and then we have this game on Tuesday and it looks like Holby in net there and we have tonight's game and it looks like we have um do-do-do Holpe in it again, so it looks like we're flip-flopping Kudoman and Holpe for a while, eh? Yeah, it looks to be that way. But, you know, Stars pull out the good win against Pittsburgh. 29 shots compared to 28. Looked like a pretty even game. Just came down to the shootout. Moving on to the Islanders against the Blackhawks. Islanders taking the 4-1 win against Chicago. Anthony Beauvillier opens up the scoring at 408 into the second on a wrist shot. Then Oliver Wallstrom will put in two, followed by Cal Clutterbuck. That's four unanswered for New York. Looked like a very dominant game to me. Absolutely heavily dominated by the Islanders and extremely unfortunate this time of year where pretty much Chicago and the Coyotes are in the same boat. Wouldn't really expect to see that realistically, but as we'll see as we move along this week, the fans really aren't having it over there either. Now, Mackenzie Entwistle will be the only guy that scores for Chicago. Not a lot of uh, great moves coming out of uh, the Blackhawks organization. 57% on the faceoffs for New York. Unfortunately, Chicago had the short end of the stick at 429 on the faceoffs. Uh, their power play went 0 for 3 as New York's went 0 for 2. They had 9 penalty minutes compared to New York's 11. 
There was a lot of hits coming out of the New York Islanders team, though. 44 compared to 34. 19 blocks, 12 giveaways, and 11 takeaways. Looked like that there were more shots being made from Chicago. Just looked like New York was more accurate with the puck. Yeah, pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Islanders very active on the near boards. Definitely getting shots in that. Mostly we're looking for the rebounds uh, for most of the night there. I really didn't see much, anything special from Chicago, really, and just a real terrible, terrible game there for uh, Flurry in that he's not looking as good as he did in Vegas, that's for sure. Nah, it's just unfortunate. You hate to see such a legend of the game, you know, start to see, like, the tail end of his career. At least that's what I think it is. I think it's that he's at the tail end of his career, and... I don't know. Does he really want to play for Chicago, or is it just that he just so happens to be there? Who knows? I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of Chicago fans saying that he's like an inside man trying to force the, the, the force to throw the games. But you know how Chicago fans are. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't see Flurry throwing games. Yeah, my my whole Twitter is like Flurry's throwing the game. I I just think it's towards the tail end of his career. Yeah, exactly he, what it is, he is, man. He is getting Gotta up there in age. Gotta wish this roster the best. Yeah, he, he is getting up there in age, so I, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, and, but. you know, and uh, obviously on Chicago's end, you know, you got the big names. You got Patrick Kane. Uh, you got Calvin DeHaan on, over on defense there to break it. And you just got, just no one's doing anything. Yeah. Jonathan Tays even, nothing. Goose no. eggs cross the board in this game. Yeah, it, just not a, not a good look for Chicago. But moving on, we got the Ducks falling short to the Edmonton Oilers, five to six. Kevin Shattenkirk opened this opening the scoring for Anaheim, five oh seven into the first off a wrist shot, assisted by Trevor Zagres and Adam Henrique. But Edmonton answers back. Zach Cassian, assisted by Nugent Hopkins and Fogle. Then McDavid will score next. Two unanswered. And then Sam Steele will score for Anaheim, making the goal, making that goal 2-2. Two to two. But we know how it is. In Edmonton, Leon Dreisaitl wants to go for that little... Uh, you know, the the little war that he has with Connor McDavid on who scores most. So Leon Dreisaitl opens up the scoring again. Assisted by McDavid and Nugent Hopkins on a power play goal, 19-29 into the first. End of the you first. Know, that's, that's what we were talking about the beginning of the season was going to be McDavid and Dreisaitl neck and neck. And the man, the man comes through. You know, McDavid, I want to say he's the top of the league right now. And right behind him, it's got to be, uh, what's his face, from Detroit. Uh, can't think of his name this second, but and I know Kopitar is right behind him. Are you thinking Larkin or are you thinking Bertuzzi? Bertuzzi, thank you. Not Larkin, goodness, no. no. Uh, <laughs> I know he had a few goals before. Now, Bertuzzi is the one I'm thinking is rolling right now. He's second, oh, yeah. and it looks to me like Kopitar is third. Yeah. But back to the game. Yeah, we definitely got a lot more new guys for the big names in the league right now, and we just got to see if it sticks. Yeah. 
Moving on into the second period, Nicolas De, uh, Nicolas Delorier scores 8:46 into the second tie in the game at three. Then Sam Steele scores again, 4-3 Anaheim, 9:59 into the second off a backhander. Leaves the end of the second with Anaheim in the lead. 4-3 in the third period, Zach Cassian opens up the scoring. 5-27 into the third off a tip and on a power play. Followed by Evan Bouchard. And then Leon Dreisaitl to seal the doors on Anaheim. Kevin Shattenkirk will score the next one for Anaheim, but that's about it. It's all she wrote. 1941 into the third off a slap shot. Dreisaitl's goal came off an empty netter. Unfortunately, if they, you know Anaheim couldn't get the job done. I, I'm telling you, if there was probably another few minutes, maybe the game would have changed. But you know, there's 60 minutes to a game, and Edmonton played all 60. 37 shots for Edmonton, 36 for Anaheim, 58.1 faceoff percentage for Edmonton. They were two for six on their power play, four penalty minutes. So not only did they did they um, Escalate and they played well on their power play, but they managed to stay out of the box. Not as much, not as many hits from Edmonton, but 17 blocks, 15 giveaways, seven takeaways. Not looking too shabby from Edmonton. Now Edmonton's third period was definitely, um, definitely strong, and it seemed like three. Uh, it was one early goal, one about halfway through, and then one near the tail end there. And But the Edmonton's third period was just so strong, it was just too much uh, for the Ducks to be able to overtake. But for the most part, this game extremely close, neck and neck the whole way. And I give full credit to both these rosters for sure. Yeah, it was a pretty even game. Just one team had to fall short, and it was going to be Anaheim. Edmonton taking the 6-5 win at home. Yep. Anaheim was the one that falls tonight. Yep, and then uh, not only them, but Colorado falls short to Washington, three to six on the road. Evgeny Kuznetsov scores first for Washington at six fifteen into the first off a wrist shot, assisted by John Carlson. Colorado answers back with a goal from JT Comfer, thirteen forty six into the first off a snapshot, shorthanded goal, and. Washington will score next from Nick Jensen, assisted by Dmitry Orlov and Tom Wilson. End of the first period, it's 2-1 Washington. Then Darren Helm scores to begin the third for Colorado. But, you know, Washington comes back. Anthony Mantha, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Nick Dowd score three unanswered against Colorado. Miko Rantanen will try to build up that team and try to give him a little bit of a boost. His first of the season 16-54 into the third off a slap shot and a power play. But Alex Ovechkin you know how he is from that uh, from his office. It's an empty netter but you know still from Alex Ovechkin his fourth of the season assisted by Wilson and Kuznetsov. Washington just dominated the game. 40 shots compared to 27, 55 on their face-off. Uh, 55 percentage off their face-off percentage. They were 0 for 3 on their power play unit, but, you know, just controlled the game, controlled the pace, controlled the offensive zone, played very offensively defensive hockey, 
Very smart hockey, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with all the points that you just made. And now to circle back to the avalanche here. So I'm trying to figure out what exactly is going wrong here for them. And I know this is the game where Gabriel Landeskog did not play. He was scratched from this game due to, I want to say, a board. And in the process of said board, he ended up being um, suspended in the future game. Right? Right. Okay. So now we're looking at a Colorado roster that has one win and two losses, which is one more point than the Coyotes have right now. So our Stanley Cup final picks are the Coyotes and the Avalanche. And we and I want to say you have the Hurricanes and I have the Bolts. Right. So right now, Hurricanes are living up to the hype here. Mm. And everyone else struggling fairly a fair struggling a fair amount here. Right. So do you think that the Avalanche struggles are because of Landis Scott's behavior? I don't think so. The only reason being is that one person doesn't make a team and you can't fault one person's actions to why your team plays weekly, I want to say. You have to have a team as a unit. It's not just around one player. That would be like saying, is Stamkos the reason why, you know, the Lightning played terribly in past seasons? I don't think Stamkos would have been the reason then. I mean, it just because your leader is injured doesn't mean that you play poorly because of it. So, it it just it comes down to doing what you're supposed to do on the ice. It comes down to you as an individual and you as a team. Those who play well will do well and those who will falter do. So, that being said, I don't think Gabriel Gabriel Landeskog has anything to do with uh, the poor playing out of Colorado. All right, excellent take, excellent take. Um, yeah, but as you said, it Washington completely dominated this game, and they come out with the win. They have the four point five points on the season, and Colorado's in their struggles. Yeah, absolutely. They're not the only ones in their struggles, though. Montreal falters against San Jose at home, falling five to nothing at home. Two of these goals came from Jonathan Dahlen. One by Eric Carlson, another by Timo Meyer, and the final goal by Kevin LeBanc. Five unanswered. Two power play goals, two wristers, and one tip-in just complete domination out of San Jose. 25 shots compared to 21. 62% face-off percentage. They were 2 for 4 on their power play. They stayed out of the box with 6 penalty minutes compared to 10. Only place where they really faltered were hits. Uh, 20 to 31 here. But, you know, overall San Jose just completely, completely dominated the game. Yeah, 
And now you're looking at the Sharks roster here, who, if I'm not mistaken, completely shut out Vegas in the past fr- in the past Saturday. They shut them out for nothing, and now they're over here shutting out the Canadians uh, with five nothing. Right. And Montreal over here, not a single win, four losses made a lot of moves in the offseason, a lot of mistakes as well, and fans are paying for it right now with big bucks paying for it. Yeah, I mean, taking a 5 nothing loss at home, I mean, I know it's early in the regular season, but you can't... Oh, we can't feel good. 0-4, no. if my team was 0-4, are you serious? <laughs> oh, wouldn't you, I wouldn't even want to wake up. I, I would be that one guy from back in the day at the, the Green Bay Packers commercial, the dude crying in the shower. Yep, that's me. <laughs> I mean, it's still early. It's early in the season, so, I mean, you can lose, but... oh. oh. You know, 0-5 at home, losing 5, losing by 5 at home against San Jose, not good. Yeah, Canadians absolutely killed. Uh, shots, on, or shots on goal pretty low. Hits were great. You know, obviously they started hitting hard, trying to spark something. Clearly did not work out for them, but other than that, you can burn down that list. It's all sharks. Yeah. Moving on, we got the Sabres taking the 5-2 win at home. 43 shots compared to 34 against Vancouver. Bo Horvat opens up the scoring, but Kyle Oposo answers for Buffalo. Justin Dowling scoring the next one for Vancouver and the last one. And Zemguz Gurgensons, Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson and Rasmus Asplin will be the four goal scorers unanswered for Buffalo. Another dominant game, 43 shots, 52.1% on the faceoff percentage. They were 0 for 3, both teams on the power play, both teams at six penalty minutes apiece. More hits coming out of Buffalo, though, with 14. And just they laid on they laid on shots. It, just a lot of dominant hockey here coming from Buffalo, controlling the offensive zone, controlling the puck, making some great passes. They did everything that they were supposed to. Everything exactly they were supposed right. to. Exactly. Smart hockey. Just I don't I don't know what happened with Vancouver here in this game, but they did not come to play. Yeah, Vancouver just had a rough night overall on that one. And as a Sabres fan, you know, not me, of course, but if you are out there a Sabres fan, man, enjoy it while it lasts. And all you can do is hope that it lasts as long as it possibly can. Because if you you had a terrible season last season and you come right back out this season and you're starting out 3-0, and six points on the year already, man, celebrate. Jeez, hang out, hang out with the Bills fans, you know, and just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, he's bust up tables. I don't care. Y'all deserve it. Yeah, I'll tell you who who didn't really deserve anything of that nature. Columbus falling one to four against Detroit. Lucas Raymond. I love Tyler. your segues. Uh, well, your segues are so great. They're all perfectly timed. It's wonderful. Well, it's true. I mean, like. You falter to a team like Detroit, and it looks like they're on the rise with 
uh, Steve Eisenman at the helm. You know, you have Lucas Raymond opening the scoring for him. Tyler Bertuzzi scores a goal. 8.53 into the into the third period here. No goals out of the first and second, so nothing to worry about. Boone Jenner scores for Columbus. You know, one of their top goal scorers. So expect Boone Jenner to have more goals on his plate come the end of the season. But Vladislav Nemesnikov, assisted by Adam Erne and Mark Stahl. And Adam Erne scoring off of Nemesnikov and Rasmussen. Uh, both empty netters. So, 4-1 Detroit at home. Dylan Larkin, Lucas Raymond, the first two stars of the game, followed by Junis Corposalo. 45 shots compared to 23, showing a lot of offensive play by uh, a lot of great offensive play by Detroit. God, I never thought I would hear myself saying that, but you know how it is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely sounds weird, but, you know, it's about time. Yeah. And it looks like they're starting to do things right. The only thing that they're lacking here is their power play that went 0 for 4 while Columbus went 1 for 4. And their faceoff percentage that was 49.2 compared to 50.8 out of Columbus. Both teams had 8 penalty minutes. Both teams had 11 hits. Just Detroit had more blocks. Uh, not that many. Uh, a lot more giveaways, but more takeaways coming out of... Uh, Detroit here, 16 giveaways and 9 takeaways. Overall, dominant in the offensive zone throughout all three periods. Detroit looked looked to uh, completely dominate the game here and that they did. Yeah, definitely. Dead even stats almost across the board here and all that happened was just Detroit ended up putting more pucks in the net than Columbus did. You know, Columbus comes out of there with no points and Detroit picks up the big two. Yeah. I mean, just complete dominant play. When you win 4-1 to like that and you play in the offensive zone that well, it, just for your forwards to play so defensively, to, I, I, love, I love defensive forwards because it, it shows a, a balance that they know what they're doing on the ice. They, they know to, to back check, but they also know how to make some really dirty moves in, the, in those nitty-gritty dirty areas there. So really... Kudos to uh, to Detroit on taking the 4-1 win at home. But moving on, we got Nashville taking the 2-1 win at home as well. Matt Duchesne and Tanner Genot score the two goals for Nashville. Andre Kopitar continues his scoring session with one for the LA Kings. Five, his fifth goal of the season so far. I'm pretty sure he had a hat trick. In one of the first regular, I think it was his opening game. He had three goals. Andre Kopitar, I'd love to have him on my team, but can't afford him. He was assisted by Dustin ba- Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty. The three stars of the game being Juicy uh, Juice Saros, Matt Duchesne, and Tanner Janot. Pretty even, pretty even game. Yep, one. definitely an even game. Definitely pretty pretty much even rosters for the most part when you actually compare the two teams side by side. Loved watching this game um, live. It was fantastic. You know, Nashville dominated the face-off circles. Um, at the end of the day, they came out of here with a victory, but, you know, got a feel for the Kings, man. But they'll, they'll bounce back. Kings usually bounce back. 
yeah, I mean, they they faltered in shots, faltered on the face-off. They were 0 for 2 on their power play. Both teams with four penalty minutes apiece. But L.A. was more dominant with 16 hits, 18 blocks, 8 giveaways, 5 takeaways. That It, it shows a balance. But Nashville just had to... They, they controlled the game a lot better. Especially on their power play. They were 1 for 2. All kudos to Nashville. We're going to close out the Tuesday games with a wild win in overtime 6-5 to five against Winnipeg. Kyle Connor scores the first goal for Winnipeg, uh, assisted by Andrew Kopp and Mark Scheifele. But Matt Zuccarello will answer back. 4.41 into the first. Kyle Connor responds 8.17 into the first on a slap shot. So a lot of back and forth here. Love this kind of play. And then uh, Joel Erickson X scores the power play goal for Minnesota. 18.40 into the first. Pretty late on a power play goal. Tie the game up at two. Into the second period we go. Josh Morrissey opens up the scoring. 5.49 into the second on a power play. Uh, assisted by Paul Stasny and Neil Piont. Matt Zuccarello again scores his second, assisted by Alex Goligoski, tying the game at three sixteen fifty nine into the second off a deflected shot, right there in the in the defensive in the offensive zone. I'm sorry, uh, right in front of the goaltender there. Ending the second period of play, tied at three. Into the third period we go. Pierre Luc Dubois opens the scoring for uh, for Winnipeg. Winnipeg taking the 4-3 lead, 4-19 into the third off a power play goal. Andrew Kopp looks How much dead. time was left on that on that goal? Uh, it was 4-19 into the third. Five. So you got 16 minutes left in the period. Take yep. notes, kids. Joel Erickson has one goal right now. Yep. And then Andrew Kopp uh, scores again for Winnipeg, assisted by Mark Scheifele and Neil, uh, Neil Pionk. But Winnipeg, Joel Erickson Eck, Marcus Felino, Joel Erickson Eck had a hat trick this game. Scores all three goals here, followed by uh, Marcus Felino. Yep, I think it was one in the, the second, obviously one in the third, and is you know, the one that, that put the lid on it was an overtime winner. Yep, off a of power play. Great goal, celebration over there in Minnesota. I want to say that's XL Energy Center. Man, tiny, tiny place, but man, it gets loud. Yeah, lo- love this player too. I have him on my on my fantasy team. I I knew that he was gonna end up doing big things. Joel Erickson Eck is known, uh, at least for me. I I I've known that he plays so dominantly. He plays so well. He he's he's one of the most grittiest players that I have seen. So I I love this. I love the the kid here, scoring three in his in his first three goals of the season in this game. Incredible. I mean, Andre Kopitar opened the season up with I think four, if I'm not mistaken, and then Joel Eric, Joel Erickson Eck scores the his first hat trick of the season. His last goal assisted by Kirill Kaprizov and Kevin Fiala in overtime. So look at this. Take notes, kids. Kirill Kaprizov, like I said, is going to be a star. He has been assisting a lot on the goals here. And Joel Erickson-Eck, a nice tandem here in Minnesota. That's what you need. Very dominant forwards. 
And Dominic for what I they need have. is a Kirill Kaprizov jersey. I know you said that last episode, too. That's what I need, okay? <laughs> oh, I got no money. <laughs> that broke college student life. <laughs> I listen, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing bad now. I'm doing much better than I was. Yeah, a lot better than you were yeah, then. Should be slowing, but <laughs> then how about you go get that twelve thousand dollar ring? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but on to uh, October 20th's games. The Blues taking the 3-1 win against Vegas in Vegas. The three goal scorers are Brandon Saad, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Ivan Barbashev. Saad's goal coming 3-21 into the second off a wrist shot. And William Carlson, the lone goal scorer for uh, Vegas as he scores 8-17 into the first off a wrist shot. So it's tied at one after two and into the third period we go two unanswered goals from St. Louis Blues just dominate and take control but here's where it gets interesting the three stars of the game you would expect with a dominant performance from St. Louis you would expect two out of the three stars to be from St. Louis but no you get Robin Leonard from Vegas and William Carlson Robin Leonard taking 38 shots and allowing three. And William Carlson scoring the lone goal for Vegas. You can see why he's one of them, but Robin Leonard, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you there. I mean, I get it. 35 out of 38 is not a terrible save percentage there, but I feel like it just wasn't enough to have the second star of the game. You know, coming from the Blues roster, you can really pull from any guy who, like, like Colton Pareko over here on defense had, had a one assist, ended up with a plus two, and almost 25 minutes time on ice. Yeah. You know, you can pull from any, any of those guys. But I don't know. That's just me. I could have been totally wrong. No. Even Bennington over here is 43 saves, or 42 saves, one goal allowed and 43 shots. Yeah, wild, wild game. That's why I was never a fan of those those stars of the game. It is what it is. Yeah. On to the next. We got Philadelphia taking the 6-3 win at home against the Boston Bruins. Cam Atkinson opening, opening the scoring up, assisted by Derek Broussard and Justin Braun. 8-0-8 into the first. But, you know, Boston answers back with goals from Carson Coleman. With a goal from Carson Coleman. And then, you know, Philadelphia opens the scoring again. Joel Farabee, Scott Lofton. Taylor Hall tries to uh, tries to stop the bleeding here with a goal. Uh, and his first goal of the season, matter of fact, assisted by Charlie McAvoy off of Vister, 838 into the second. Brad Marchand would score next, assisted by Pasternak and McAvoy, tying the game at three. I guess Taylor Hall would... Uh, you know, light a little bit of fire underneath the Bruins here, but unfortunately, this going is into the exactly third, where you come in and say you gotta play the full sixty. Exactly, and the Bruins just didn't have it, and this is why they played a full forty. I'll give them that credit. Tied they the game up at three. Tied the game up at three. Nineteen minutes into the second, it's tied at three. But, you know, going to the third, you have to play strong and you have to play that extra 20 minutes. And it was who was going to have it more. 
and it was in Boston. Cam Atkinson opens the scoring 58 into the 58 seconds into the third. Travis Konechny scores 11-17, and Sean Couturier scores 19-01 into the third, off an empty netter. So, a six-to-three win for Philadelphia against one of the Stanley Cup contending teams here, Boston. Yeah, somebody from that Flyers roster, or the Flyers organization in general, must be listening to this podcast or something because you have to start out strong and you continue that energy through the rest of the game. This is the second game in a row, Mikey, that they heard me and responded. Do I want them to respond? Absolutely not because it ruins the Rangers. But I, in a podcast, I got to tell you how it is, and this is how it is. Flyers haven't dropped a point this season. Well, they dropped one point. They haven't lost out on one point. No, their face-off percentage was strong at 52 compared to Boston's 48. Their power play, perfect. Two for two. Penalty minutes were two minutes, so they only spent one person in the box compared to Boston's two players at four minutes each, or four minutes total. Uh, 35 hits, a lot of hitting here. 35 for Philadelphia, 32 for Boston. 23 blocks, 12 giveaways, nine takeaways. Ultimately, Philadelphia controlling gameplay. But, you know, Boston, 40 shots on goal compared to 25. They just need to be a little more accurate with the puck there. Dominated shots on goal per period, 10 to 7 in the first, 18 to 10 in the second, and 12 to 8 in the third. You know, just if they were a little more accurate with their shots and uh, stayed out of the box, i say that the game would have probably changed a little bit. Exactly, pretty much. But, you know, even only two guys in the box throughout the, the entire game, the Flyers still converted two for two on the power play. And at the end of the day, that's going to hurt you. Most guys lose those games. Yeah. Moving into Thursday's games last night, the Devils take their first loss of the season at home against Washington, four to one. It was uh, a little uh, a little harsh for them right now. Anthony Mantha and Dmitry Orlov, as well as Daniel Sprung and Evgeny Kuznetsov, open up the scoring four unanswered for Washington. Two in the first, one in the second, and one in the third. But Yane Kuokinen says that he's had enough, but it it really isn't. It's a little too too soon, too late. Uh, Kuokinen scores on a power play goal, 13-18 into the third. Yeah, you know, you get like like I've been saying, you got to play the full 60. You can't let these guys just walk right in and take goals. Anthony Mantha. Assisted by Daniel Sprung and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Dmitry Orlov, assisted by Alex Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, Daniel Sprung unassisted. Off a snapshot, you can't let him go one on one with the goaltender. It's just that's just something you don't do. You don't let some guy on a breakaway and let him go one on one with your goaltender. Not a pretty sight. It looks like the Devils' defense really uh, flopped here that uh, last night. It was. You know, you have to play strong and you have to make sure that when you're in the defensive zone, you are in the defensive zone. You're you're playing the best defense that you can. You're trying to get the puck out. Unfortunately, the Devils couldn't get it out of their own zone. Yeah, and it's like you, you look at the game recap and then you go into the shot chart. 
the Devils really had a lot of shots on net in this game. It's just nothing. The, the puck wasn't just rolling in for him. It was just one of those tough nights, and you just got to shake it off and move on. Credit to Washington, and they're another roster that hasn't really lost out on a point this year. You know, three wins, one overtime loss. Looking pretty good to start the season, if, you, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I mean, looking at the standings, the Atlantic, the Panthers surprisingly undefeated 4 to nothing here. Eight points. Buffalo fall, following behind them 3-1 and one with 6. Detroit behind them at 2-1-1 two and, two, one and one at 5. Washington in the Metropolitan Division leading 3. They're 3-0 three oh with 7. Uh, New York Rangers 3-1-1 three and, three, one and one with 7. Carolina 3-0 oh with 6. The wild card here being Pittsburgh and Columbus. Who would have thought here looking at the wild card spots for the Eastern Conference that New Jersey and Tampa would be tied with four points with the Lightning having one more game but one more loss than New Jersey. Yeah, not me. And reality is if you take let's see here. If you take the Atlantic the Metro and for the most part the Pacific you take those three divisions and flip them upside down it's pretty much more reasonable of how I expected the season to start yeah I'm dead serious because like you're thinking about it early on you got Vegas up at the top you got Seattle up at the top Kings might slip in there. Ducks most likely will be up there. The Metro, you got the Islanders, the Devils, the Flyers, and Columbus. That's literally flipped around. And for the Atlantic, you've got Montreal, Tampa, and Ottawa. <laughs> flipped around right up at the top. But who knows? And Welcome to 2021, guys. And we're just getting started. The Panthers. Yeah, just getting started. This is a wild one. I'm here for it. Yeah, the Panthers take the four to one win at home against Colorado. I don't know what it is with Colorado flopping right now, but it's not looking good for them. They gotta start pushing the pedal a little bit. Sam Reinhardt opens the scoring up, followed by Miko Rantanen from Colorado tying the scoring up one apiece. Then Sam Bennett breaks the tie here, followed by Carter Verhage, his third of the season, unassisted. 19-13 into the second off a wrist shot. And then Anton Lundell, uh, you know, puts the uh, puts the nail in the coffin. Yeah, beautifully well said. Avalanche really got to put their foot on the gas pedal right now. And this game, you got to give full credit to the big man in the, in, in the net, Bobrovsky. Dude is unreal right now. And he's, he's killing the bolts. He's... The Panthers are 4-0. He's pretty much killing everybody who walks in his path. Yeah, it comes up with number one star of the night. Insane playing by Bobrovsky. Who knows what we find, what we see as the regular season rolls on. There's 38 shots on goal from Florida compared to Colorado's 31. They were amazing on the faceoff percentage of 59.7 compared to 40.3 in Colorado. They were 1-5 for five on their power play. Uh, as Colorado was over three, they managed to stay out of the box just enough. Six penalty minutes compared to ten. Twenty-six hits apiece. 
and they just they control the game. Florida just yeah, Colorado's big names really aren't showing up for them. You know, obviously you got McKinnon with a point, you've got Ranton with a point, and I want to say Sammy Gerard with a point as well. Yep. But you need more than just those three to do something. Exactly. You know, you got twenty well capable, well paid people to be able to get the job done, and it's just not getting done. You can't point it at Johnson; they're not doing nothing either. Yeah, speaking of not getting the job done, Detroit doesn't get the job done either, falling three to nothing against Calgary. Elias Lindholm opens the scoring 10:06 into the first on a snapshot, followed by Andrew Manjapain 14:33 into the first off a backhand shot, two nothing at the end of the first. No goals coming in the second, but Matthew Kachuk scoring the empty netter, assisted by Johnny Goudreau 17:42 into the third. Not looking good for Detroit here. They've had a pretty decent start to their season, but faltered against Calgary at home. Just yeah, who knows? It could have been a mental thing. Could have, could have been multiple guys tired and what have you, and what the what the uh, mainstream excuses are for that one. But I know in the game on Monday, where we mentioned the Ducks playing the Flames, was it? Mm-hmm. And you chose the Flames, and I chose the Ducks. Yep. The two guys you mentioned for the Flames that you needed to play well were Manjapan and Johnny Gaudreau. Yep. And those boys came through here, shut out one of the top teams in the Atlantic right now, and they ended up pulling off the win. This could be the spark that Calgary needed, boss. Yeah. I mean, with Blake Coleman being... He was suspended at the end of the preseason, which is why he... He debuted a little late for Calgary. You know, you, you all the all these things that could light a fire underneath them with new players starting, players uh, that don't normally score goals, scoring goals for them. It you know it puts some positive aspects onto their team and their organization, and and you know they pull out all the stops. It's three nothing against Detroit on the road. Very good playing from Elias Lindholm. Good playing from Andrew Manjapan, Matthew Kachuk. Amazing goal, amazing goal, amazing gameplay, as usual. His first of the season. And uh, we'll move on to your uh, lackluster Coyotes here, falling 5-1 to one at home against Edmonton. Warren Fogle. No surprise here. Nope. <laughs> Warren Fogle, Zach Hyman, and Connor McDavid open up the scoring for Edmonton. Two wrist shots and a shorthander. Fogel scoring 18.02 into the first. Zach Hyman scoring 6.31 into the second. McDavid scoring 8.53 into the second. It's 3 nothing at the end of two. And then Dyson Mayo would score the lone goal for Arizona. Zach Hyman and Connor McDavid would answer right back. 9.05 into the third on... A, pl- on a power play goal and Connor McDavid scoring the last goal of the night 10.58 into the third on a power play goal just like like we've said to the prior games they just walked right in they controlled this game it was a clinic Fit 31 shots on goal compared to 28 56.4 faceoff percentage a perfect power play with 2 for 2 just uh, 
they couldn't the only thing is that they couldn't stay out of the box yeah for the most part you're you're right on it there and unfortunately for arizona's roster just a guy like vimelka can't withstand the pressure from edmonton of a save percentage of like a touch under 84 you know that's that's not going to get the job done and they just have the wrong guy in at the wrong time but it's not like they have a, a choice here no, it, it was just a game where they faltered, and yeah, Arizona's There's no gonna, numbers anywhere. There's nothing there. No, Arizona's got to come up with something fast before their season starts to take a their starts to take a turn for the worse. Nothing like a an Ottawa loss though, falling two to one against the San Jose Sharks Drake Batherson scoring you would think that would uh, light a fire underneath the Ottawa team but Logan Couture and Kevin LeBanc would score in response to the Batherson goal with two goals of their own Logan Couture yeah, off a backhand rolling, rolling. Yeah, Logan Couture off a backhand shot a minute and 58 into the second. And Kevin LeBanc scoring 14-36 into the second off a slap shot power play goal. A lot of great gameplay here from San Jose. They've been playing really well lately. One for three on their power play. They Both teams couldn't stay out of the box 10 minutes apiece. But, you know, like Ottawa had more hits. But overall San Jose wanted this game more they were a little more accurate with their shots stayed more into the offensive zone played a lot of defensive hockey a lot of smart hockey so you know San Jose takes this win on the road and we'll see what they do next love to see this game play coming from San Jose I think they they deserve it they're a team that's been down and out for a while and I think they deserve these few wins Moving on, we got the Hurricanes taking the 4-1 to win on the road against, who? what do you know, Montreal Canadiens. Sebastian Ajo and Andrei Svechnikov open the scoring up off Sebastian Ajo's goal, his first of the season, assisted by Tavo Teravainen and Tony D'Angelo on a power play goal 23 seconds into the second period. Andrei Svechnikov's goal 2-12 into the second off a wrist shot. It's 2-0, and then Tyler Toffoli is the lone goal scorer for Montreal. It's 2-1 at the end of two. Toffoli's goal on a power play, and 17-57 of the second. And then this was the goal that was very controversial. Jasperi Kotkaniemi, the former player for Montreal scores against his former team and the entire crowd is booing loudly. 923 yeah, to the third. One, this one was one to remember for sure. This one I was waiting for to happen. I was watching this game specifically for this moment and I actually did not expect a fan boo as loud and significant as this one definitely um completely caught me off guard here but man good for Kotkaniemi to really keep it together celebrate with his teammates and just move along yeah I, I love that goal from Kotkaniemi here like assisted by Brady Shea and Sebastian Ajo and Ajo would close out the night with a with a goal on an empty netter, 19-21 into the third, assisted by Tara Vinen and Troshek. 
you know, all three stars of the game coming out of Carolina. Very strong showing. Expect more of this going further into the regular season. Just incredible on the face-off percentage. They were one for one on their power play. Perfect. Just couldn't stay out of the box. 12 penalty minutes compared to four. That didn't fall to them here. You know, Montreal so, was one for six, but still. Uh, so I'm gonna let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and revisit this again. When when the Montreal Canadiens play their ten games, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So right now they're zero five. Right. All right. Clearly not playing well. I mean, they're they're being outscored by at least plus two goals each game. It's not fun for fans. It's not fun for players at this point. And as far as front office goes, could this be the downfall for, say, assistant coaching, head coaching, etc.? It's too early to tell. I mean, what? it's the beginning of the season. They're on, you said 0-5 now? They're own five right now. They're own five right now. I'm gonna give them halfway through the regular season, and if they haven't, if they haven't won more games than they lost, it's not gonna be a pretty sight for their season as a whole. It's gonna make their season from before look like a fluke, getting into the Stanley exactly. Cup final. Exactly, and that's the only reason why I want to take this as seriously as I am early on is because of the way that it's clearly affecting their fans because after that Kotkaniemi goal was scored you can tell that boo was way more than just like your team is playing terribly it's more so like wow this man could have been ours still yeah but we couldn't match it the the only thing is though is he didn't have to accept the offer you know, Montreal just had to match it, and they couldn't. Obviously, the player is going to go somewhere where there's more money to be made, especially with a team that isn't taxed so much. Maybe. It could have been. Uh, and it also could have been something that just very knew, something that, you know, we as fans didn't know. It could have been something internal where it's like, forget these guys, you know? Yeah. But, you know, like, there, there's a lot more tax in Canada than, the, than there is in the States. So, oh, I don't know squat doodle about that stuff. I have no idea. I'm just saying things over there are a lot more expensive than they are here. Take going to a game for an example. Lightning tickets. You paid for two nosebleed seats. Mike, you got in for 60 bucks a piece. Exactly. In Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Those are $300 a seat. Okay, I wouldn't go. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think Montreal's doing? I see what you're saying. I, I see what going, yeah. So again, that's that's something front office. That, that, that is definitely something front office that that's can a, be That's the entire country, dude. And like, <laughs> rationalize accordingly. And clearly, somebody either A, is paying way too high for land in Canada, or B, 
seats are way too much money. Or the, the like, if I'm paying three hundred dollars a seat, that thing better have footrest, cup holders on both arms, on top of like, like heating heating settings as well as probably massage um, accessories. Hmm. Three hundred dollars a seat. My goodness, Bell Center. I'm sorry, Bell Century. And then uh, imagine what the what? How much the food costs there? I forget. I'm not eating there. I don't want poutine. I don't. I'm not a poutine guy. It's just not. It's just not me. I'm. I'm just saying. Like, imagine you saw how the food lines were when we went to the game. Imagine what it's like <laughs> up there. Imagine what it's like up there. Three hundred dollars a seat in the nosebleeds, and imagine how long those lines are and how much everything is. Guarantee you, a bottle of water there is probably like fourteen dollars. No, I'm afraid. Because I'm legitimately afraid. Because at family arena, the price of something. Because now here's me thinking of season ticket member. Right. Usually you get an STM patch. STM discount, right? Most of the time, it's uh, I don't I don't know, maybe a quarter of the price. So, um, say I would say a soda is like ten bucks. I don't know, I don't know what it is. A soda is like ten bucks. Season ticket member probably pays about six dollars, right? Right. Season ticket members over there are probably paying like two dollars less, Bob's. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, geez, if I'm going to the if I'm going to the game for this price, valet, fill my tank. <laughs> sell my tank. Fill my tank. Oh, fill my. I tank. better get out of that game. That that tank better be full of brim. <laughs> I don't. I don't mean no. I don't mean no. Look at look at the look at the gas tank and have it three quarters of the way full and be like, yeah, hey, I'll put five bucks in it. Might get up there. No, fill the tank. <laughs> Oh man, I'm just saying. We went to Emily Arena. My Twitter bio: three hundred dollars <laughs> seat. It's insane. Could you for those of y'all paying that? Could you imagine how no. much food costs there? Because guarantee you at Emily Arena in Tampa, bottle of water is like eight to ten dollars. Imagine yeah, what it is exactly over there, right. boss. Around spot. Over there, it's probably like ten to twelve dollars. I'm literally afraid. I'm really scared. <laughs> Don't be as scared as the New York Islanders falling two to three against Columbus. Scott Mayfield goes unassisted, but Boone Jenner answers back for Columbus, followed by Cole Sillinger. Cole assisted by Gavrikov and Bjorkstrand off a snapshot, 1833 into the second. Matthew Barzal answers back. 5:03 into the third, tying the game up at two. But Columbus answers in overtime in a big way with Patrick Laine scoring 149 into overtime, assisted by Zach Wierenski and Oliver Bjorkstrand. Big game here, a lot of back and forth play. 36 shots compared to 32. They were even, even on the faceoff percentage at 50% each. But New York just couldn't stay out of the box. I think that's what really did them in here. Eight penalty minutes compared to six. I think that one extra player going in the box really did it. Yep. Yep. I was just about to say the one power play goal that Columbus scored is is what uh, was the, inevitably the Islanders' doom. Yeah. yeah. Gotta stay out of the box. Truth be told, proven right here. I'm yep. crashing that. Yes, sir. Just, you know. 
play smart hockey. Stay out of the box and don't argue with the refs. Because the more you argue with the refs and the more we look at the re instant replay, the more you look like an idiot. And I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. If you argue with... Couldn't have said it better myself, buddy. Because I'm just saying there's, there's these funny, hilarious reactions that I I don't know if you see them when you watch a game but I definitely see them where the player is like are you, you know, like swearing up and down are you kidding me looking at the refs flailing his arms and the penalty box looks up at the screen he's like oh yeah that's a penalty <laughs> like it's blatantly obvious bud yep I, I love it I love it when a lot of guys like sometimes I mean you get like three different reactions mainly from being in a penalty box you get the guy questions the ref sits down looks at the board and he's like eh yeah okay I, I'll stay in here <laughs> right then you get the guy goes straight in the box yep looks it straight in the box looks at the board shakes his head disagrees with everything smacks his stick on the glass and then sits down stuck there two minutes Yep. Then you get the guy, argues with the ref, barks at the fan, smacks the door, and then he argues with a dude whose only responsibility in there really is opening and closing the door. And, like, what's he going to do with it? Nothing. <laughs> Man, some people are crazy. Absolutely crazy. Not as crazy as the lone predator who scored against the Rangers, Philip Tomasino. Assisted by Ryan Johansson and Dylan Fabro, but Philip Hedl scores the first goal, his first of the season. Assisted by Sammy Blaze and Alex Lafreniere, a backhand shot 2-12 into the first. The score is tied 1-1 at the end of two. But Alex Lafreniere, assisted by Sammy Blaze and Adam Fox, scores his second of the season, 10:53 into the third on a wrist shot. Barkley Goudreau finishes the night off, his first of the season, 19:54 into the third on an empty netter. Rangers take the victory, three to one against the Predators. Yeah, really happy for the Rangers in this one. Um, I'm thankful their season is going the way that it is. Unfortunate Nashville isn't playing better, you know, but, you know, I got a lot of friends um, who are fans of these teams. I support these teams as well, and so I'm like, yay, but then I'm like, oh, it stinks. But it's like, ah, we got through it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty even. 30 shots compared to 29, so a lot of, a lot of great uh, scoring opportunities here for both teams. Uh, 45 In my points. opinion, Shesterkin rolling. Absolutely rolling. He's on a roll. Um, he's playing a great year. 29 uh, shots. Agree, but we'll taken, see what happens. Took 29 shots this game and only allowed one. That's pretty impressive in this game against Nashville. Very good start. I mean, they. How many goaltenders did they are? Did they go through? I mean, they lost Hank. He retired. They lost Hank. They had Cam Talbot for a while. From Talbot, they went. Oh man. I'm pretty sure they had Georgiev before. Yes. Yeah, they went to Georgiev. Yep. After Talbot, they went to Georgiev. And now it's pretty much um, the Shesterkin show. I think they still have Gorgiev on their roster as well. I don't know. I need to check that. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still over there. Yeah, 
the both teams didn't do very well in their power play units. Uh, New York went 0 for 4. Predators 0 for 3. New York just happened to stay out of the box more than Nashville did. Eight penalty minutes compared to ten, but they controlled the game. Eight penalty, uh, eight penalty minutes, fifteen hits, ten blocks, seven giveaways, six takeaways. A lot of dominant hockey play here. Both teams controlled two periods of play, but ultimately it came down to the last period of play in in the third here. You, you have to play the full 60. That's what it comes down to with Nashville. If Goodrow doesn't score that empty netter, it's 2-1, to one and you give yourself an opportunity to get back in the game. Unfortunately, Nashville doesn't give themselves that opportunity, and neither does New York. New York doesn't back off one bit. Yeah, I was able to fortunately look up that information properly. It is, in fact, Shesterkin and Gorgiev for the Rangers. Looks like one and two. Awesome. Great. Uh, looks like a good... I'm not going to say great. I'll say it's a good tandem that they have over there uh, for goaltending. So. Yeah, I would say good. I would say definitely C-plus and above. Yeah. Um, I, I want to see more from Shesterkin as the season goes on. Georgiev, I'm going to say, is their backup and there for veteran status. But on to the last game of the evening. Winnipeg Jets take the 5-1 win at home against An the Anaheim Ducks. Troy Terry opens the scoring for Anaheim. 2.46 into the first off a deflected power play goal. Uh, assisted by Cam Fowler and Kevin Shattenkirk. But Pierre-Luc Dubois, Andrew Kopp, Josh Morrissey, and Kyle Connor have more to say about it. <laughs> with five unanswered goals. <laughs> Dubois, Tippin, Andrew Kopp, Tippin, Josh Morrissey, power play goal, Kyle Connor, empty netter, Kyle Connor, wrist goal, unassisted, 18-46 into third. Just dominant gameplay, another clinic. I'm really thankful for all these Tippins that went, that went in because I really stress that these are the ones that you have to get on net because these are the ones for goaltenders to track. These are the toughest shots to track in the game because if you're expecting a shot and you're, you're lined up center of the puck, all of a sudden it's dished out in front of you, so you automatically have to redirect yourself in the goal. Now you're square to the puck where it is, yes, but the person receiving that tip has an entire 4x6 to look at and basically knows where they're already going to put it before it's even on their tape. So pretty much a guessing game and most of the time goaltenders are shooting 25% right now. You know, it's either a blocker, a glove, a pillow, or another pillow. I mean, which one? Which one's it going to be And You just kind of got to gotta squeeze and pray. Yeah, agreed here. Nine yeah. times out of ten, it's probably going to go in if you're a rookie. <laughs> Yeah, agreed here. Just complete dominant gameplay here from Winnipeg. Just a lot of them controlling the puck, making some good, nice passes into the neutral zone, controlling neutralized, controlling the offensive zone, just making smart hockey plays here. And that's that's what Winnipeg's known for, especially Kyle Connor. Just expect him to, to put on a, a scoring clinic here for Winnipeg. 
you'll see he'll probably have at least 27 goals at the end of the season. And on to tonight's games. Um, I think we skipped the Canucks Blackhawks. No, we went over it. We went over the Canucks Blackhawks with the Canucks four goals. I could have. Are you I sure? Besser, Pearson, if, Dickinson. If not, let's go over it now. All right, because I think we missed it because I, I had notes on it Wait. and I didn't say it yet. Yeah. All right. Let's go. All right. Canucks four one on the road against Chicago. Dickinson, Pearson, Besser, and Garland scoring four for Vancouver. DeBrinket scoring the long power play goal for Chicago. Eight twenty six into the first. That'll be all she wrote for Chicago here. They no more scoring opportunities there. They had more shots on goal, but. Not very accurate with the puck. Not much of controlling the offensive zone. 55% face-off percentage for Vancouver compared to Chicago's 44. Both 1 for 4 on their power plays. So, on this game, what I have is a great game from Thatcher Demko. You know, you face 30 shots, you allow one goal, you come up with 29 saves. Fantastic game on his end. Of course, the Canucks taking my advice. You start out early, keep that ball rolling, pile on the goals, put the home team out of it. That is the play. Now, the result of this game ended up being yet another loss for Chicago, piling on a whopping no wins, four losses, and one overtime loss. That piles up to one point on the season, and the entire team after the game was booed off of the ice as the Canucks celebrate. Not a great look for Chicago. Also, Chicago fans, not unexpected either. Unfortunate for Johnson that he's playing over there. He has to be exposed to this type of environment, but, you know, when you're traded like that, that's what you're signing up for. Yeah, they're at the bottom of the barrel. They're 0-4-1 right now. Only one point up on the board next to Arizona. Matter of fact, they're under Arizona in the league stats right now. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm looking at the very bottom five. Nashville at 28. Colorado, 29. Arizona, 30. Chicago, 31. Montreal, number 32. Wow, so, that's really sad. Yeah. You're Good looking, for Arizona. Arizona's... Let's go. Yeah, Arizona's uh, point percentage is .125, and Chicago's is .100. So, yeah, .025% better than Chicago right now. It's not good either. Not good for Chicago. No. Oh, goodness. Wow. Um, man, I got nothing. Step up your game, guys, because I, I, <laughs> this is above me to help you. <laughs> when you have this to have is, Dylan to help really you. really above me to help you. My, my limit's about where the Coyotes and, and the the, uh, the Predators are sitting right now. I, I don't know if I, I, I have enough in the tank to be able to save Montreal and, and Chicago. That's asking a lot. <laughs> but oh man moving into tonight's games 
The Stars played the Kings at home. Stars took the 3-2 win at home. Andre Kopitar, like we have been saying, has started the scoring. His sixth of the season assisted by Victor Arvidsson and Dustin Brown. And Tyler Sagan would score 19-20 into the first off a power play goal. You know, it's 1-1 at the end of one. Then Gabriel Velarde will open the scoring again for L.A., at 17.32 into the second off a power play goal assisted by Kaliev and Walker. Miro Heiskanen would score 10.58 into the third off a power play goal assisted by Joe Pavelski and Tyler Sagan. In the end, the Stars would prevail with a goal from Denis Goryanov assisted by Heiskanen and Rupe Hintz. A backhanded shot, 4.15 into overtime. A lot of back and forth. Great gameplay here. You know, nothing, nothing bad here. I like the back and forth play. Yeah, I agree. Um, Kings unfortunately couldn't get the job done tonight, but Brayden Holpe, of course, coming up strong with a number one star on the night, forty-three saves and a near ninety-six percent save percentage. Um, can't ask much more from him. And moving on through the weekend for for the stars. Yeah, and unfortunately, Drew Doughty uh, left the game injured. So, L.A. is oh, down a defenseman. a rough one to the knee. Oh. That wouldn't be the first time that we heard that somebody had taken a shot to the knee. <laughs> <laughs> For you Skyrim yeah, fans this, this out one, there. This one won't end in retirement, though. No, probably not. But, anyway. The Sharks took the 5-3-1 on the road against Toronto. Logan Couture scores first in the second period. No goal scored in the first. Jason Spezza scores 327 into the second, tying the game at one. But the San Jose Sharks would not be denied. Timo Meyer scores unassisted 344 into the second on a wrist shot. And Andre Case says, no way, we're not going down like that. Scores and ties the game 2-2, 1024 into the second off a backhander. A lot of back and forth gameplay. I love it. Eric Carlson answered back 11:55 into the into the second, off a wrist shot three to two San Jose at the end of two. And then Jonathan Dahlen opens up the scoring in the third period, followed by John Tavares of the Maple Leafs 13:39 into the third. It's now 4-3. Did Toronto have what it takes? Apparently they didn't because Logan Couture scored on an empty netter assisted by Andrew Cogliano, 19-20 into the third, putting the nail in the coffin against Toronto. Yeah, it just seemed like Toronto didn't have enough in, enough in the tank in this one. A lot of action in front of the net. A couple of, hittings, a couple of hits along the boards. Few open ice checks in this one. Few, a few more than I typically see. That's the only reason why I mentioned it in this situation and then only stat that really sticks out to me is the amount of takeaways that the Sharks were able to force in this one yeah I'm also thinking of the penalty minutes that that could have changed the gameplay too for Toronto because they were they stayed in the box a little longer than San Jose I think that if they would have stayed one man out of the box that it would have changed the game up just just a little bit maybe a tad but you know, it that's that's the way the cookie crumbles here. Sharks take exactly. the factory, went on the road. The Bruins yep. so as far as the Sharks go, 
obviously we have the Sharks playing tonight. The Oilers are in the middle of their game. We're probably going to wrap up their pod, our podcast when they're pretty much in intermission. So I'm going to wish you guys enjoy the rest of that game in case we don't catch that one. Yeah. But Sharks, Oilers, both undefeated teams in the league, both in the Western Conference. Who's the better team? Right now it looks like the Sharks. Sharks are, at, Sharks are at the top of the league right now. They're 4-0, and eight points, one point percentage. Their differential is a plus nine. Looking at Edmonton, they are number three. They're also a plus nine differential. But uh, if they played each other, I guarantee you, if, if we're talking... Seven games. I want Edmonton to win, but it just oh, looks man. like right now that the Sharks are completely controlling gameplay. Holy cow! I didn't even think of that. If they're playing a seven-game series, a series, so the Oilers, I believe, are better at home, but the Sharks are better away. Right. So, if they play in a series of seven, and Edmonton hosts, I give it to the Sharks. But, if the Sharks host, I give it to the Oilers. Right. So, it's like the opposite of my typical thinking. Man, that's crazy. Hopefully, it happens. Western Conference Final, Sharks, Oilers. Man, wouldn't that be something? That would be insane, actually. I, the two teams that are at the top of the division who are playing right now, insane, exactly. by the way. Both teams playing insane. You got goals from Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Tomas Ertl, Eric Carlson, for God's sake. And then you have on the other side, Zach Cassian, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid. You know, completely... Ah, you got some great, great playing on both sides. And uh, the Bruins took the 4-1 win tonight against the Sabres on the road. David Pasternak, Tomas Nosek, Charlie Coyle, and Taylor Hall scoring for Boston. Taylor Hall putting the empty netter on on, uh, Buffalo 18-12 into the third. Victor Olofsson, the lone goal scorer for Buffalo. Looked like Boston looked like they had more control of this game. Although Buffalo had more shots on goal, 36 to 26, their faceoff percentage was 63%. They were one for two on their power play as Buffalo went 0 for four. Unlike Buffalo, though, they couldn't stay out of the box. They had eight penalty minutes compared to Buffalo's four, but they had 14 hits, 22 blocks, four giveaways, six takeaways. They went 4-1 to one against Buffalo tonight. Very great gameplay from Buffalo. You know, the three stars of the night being Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, and Linus Olmark. Nothing wrong here from Boston. Just Buffalo didn't have enough for this game. Yeah, Buffalo might have gotten this one closer, but, you know, Boston pretty much dominating every aspect on the ice from this one, including the face-up circle, which is probably the difference maker here. But also in Buffalo against Buffalo's favoring here, 
um, 22 block shots for, for Boston. So that's 22 more shots on goal Buffalo could have had, but just didn't get through. And full credit to Boston there for that one. Um, and also, as far as the stars of the games go, you know, um, Charlie Coyle really got robbed here. Really yeah. got robbed. You know? Absolutely. Charlie makes the pretty much the headline for the sports section of Boston Globe tomorrow. And he doesn't even earn any accolades uh, during the game. Insane, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the fans are starting to play a, play a part into uh, who gets stars of the night. I don't think they're looking at the sheets anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely not looking at the sheets because these sheets are definitely not clean. Yeah, the only thing that's not clean is the Golden Knights either as they're falling 3-2 to two now at the end of two. Not looking too hot for Vegas. Uh, Nick Waugh scoring first for them, assisted by White Cloud 334 into the first off a of tip-in. Zach Hyman would answer back off a deflected power play goal 837 into the first, assisted by McDavid and Dreisaitl. Then you got Nolan Patrick from... He was traded from the Philadelphia Flyers. Scores for Vegas a minute and 25 into the second off a tip-in. Assisted by Coughlin and McNabb. Hyman and Dreisaitl answer back. 355 into the second off a snapshot. Assisted by McDavid and Puliyarvi. Dreisaitl assisted by Nugent Hopkins and Russell. 507 into the second. Looks as though... The Oilers are controlling gameplay. 23 shots compared to 22. They're both even on the face-off percentage. But the Oilers are 1 for 3. They managed to stay out of the box a little longer. 4 minutes compared to Vegas' 6. 19 hits. It looks like it's getting a little nasty. 13 blocks, 8 giveaways, and 8 takeaways. They're controlling gameplay here with more shots on goal in the second period than they did in the first. I want to see how this game ends seems that way to me and of course obviously games that have been going on while we're actually covering games that are already done are obviously the hardest to analyze so I'm kind of winging it here I don't want to say winging it here but I'm definitely trying to spitball it kind of wrap my head around exactly what's going on in this game and based on what stats are telling me here is we do have a couple of power play opportunities that already happened through the first two periods so yes it is looking a little undisciplined in this game as we're moving forward uh oilers come up with the lone power play goal in this one after three power play opportunities for edmonton and two for vegas we will see how the third period goes in this one i do feel that edmonton's going to be able to edge out of this one though yeah it looks like edmonton's going to be able to keep the pace and uh control the third period i'm predicting that uh edmund takes the win i want to say probably four to two on an empty net goal i want to say probably if i had to guess either a dry cycle or probably rv empty net goal four to two at the end of the game but tomorrow night's games are as follows. The Calgary Flames play the Washington Capitals at 1 o'clock. We got the New York Rangers playing the Ottawa Senators at 1 o'clock. Anaheim Ducks playing the Minnesota Wild at 6. We got the Buffalo Sabres playing the New Jersey Devils at 7. Colorado Avalanche playing the Lightning at 7. Florida Panthers playing the Flyers at 7. Predators playing the Jets at 7. The Red Wings playing the Canadians at 7. Maple Leafs and Penguins at 7. Hurricanes and Blue Jackets at 7. 
the Kings playing the Blues at 8. The Islanders and the Coyotes at 9. And the final game of the evening, the Vancouver Canucks playing the Seattle Kraken at 10. On Hulu. On Hulu. As well as I just thought I'd throw that one in because I, I was I was really excited about that when I when I saw a commercial for it on ESPN saying that the game was going to be on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Yeah, big things happening in the world of sports as ESPN takes over at the NHL. ESPN Plus, check it out. Hulu, check it out. Um, I'm gonna go over media wise. It's going great. Yep. Video coordinating wise. Not it's so going great. terrible. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna go over predictions for tomorrow. All right, flames. Rattle off yours, and I'm rattle off mine. And I'm gonna question them. Flames and Capitals. I got Capitals. No, just 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 rattle them down. Just go straight down your list and say which team. Flames and Capitals. I got Capitals. Rangers and Senators. I got Rangers. Ducks and Wild. I got Wild. Uh, Sabres and Devils. I got New Jersey. Avalanche and Lightning. Of course, I got the Lightning. Panthers and Flyers. I'm going Panthers. Uh, Predators and Jets. I'm going uh, Winnipeg. Detroit and Montreal. Obviously going Detroit. Toronto and Pittsburgh, I'm going Pittsburgh. Carolina and Columbus, I'm going Carolina. Um, Kings and Blues, I'm probably going to go Blues. Islanders and Coyotes, sorry Dylan, I'm going with the Islanders. I am too. (laughs) And Canucks and Kraken, I am going Canucks. Wow. Wow. So if I were to go down this list, I have the exact same that you do. Mine's awesome. a little bit different because you're looking at NHL, I'm looking at ESPN. So mine's going to be a touch out of order, but I have Rangers, Capitals, Wild, Red Wings, Lightning, Devils, Panthers, Penguins, Blue Jackets, Jets, Blues, Islanders, and Canucks. How about that? Exact same. We have the exact same picks. Let's see what Sunday would entail, being that we're going to have to go over the weekend games on Sunday. Correct. Correct. So So, uh, I'll be able to remember these, no sweat, and we can always look back at the podcast just in case we forget. Yep. And at 1 o'clock on Sunday, the San Jose Sharks play the Boston Bruins. At 6 o'clock, the Predators play the Wild. At 7 o'clock, the Red Wings play the Blackhawks. And at 10 o'clock, the New York Islanders play the Vegas Golden Knights. My predictions are as follows. San Jose. Minnesota. Detroit. And New York Islanders. I have the dead same as well. I have Sharks, Wild, Red Wings, and Islanders. That's awesome. We actually, for once, we're either going to... We agree. I mean, but... We can't go... Think about it, though. And the reasoning is plausible for all of these 
You know, I mean, you could go Bruins at home, right? But obviously, you, the Sharks are are churning and burning. So it's like you're not going to pass up on them. The Predators have been cold. Wild are playing in XL Energy Center. I'm not going to pass up on them. The Red Wings are clearly the Red Wings right now. And the Islanders and the Golden Knights is no brainer, man. Yeah. Jeez. And then all these games that top down, I mean, maybe the Sens will pull out at home because obviously the, the, you, you got to feel for the hometown people. But majority of them, we did pick the, the home crowd, except Panthers, Flyers. The Panthers are too hot right now to pick the Flyers. You can't. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I'm glad. Great pick. I'm, great picks, great people on this podcast. I, I wouldn't do it with anyone else. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we're not going to be 50-50 this time. It's either going to be all or nothing. <laughs> yeah, 100 or zero. Oh, man. Well, episode... Or we get a couple right, a couple wrong. You know how it is. Yeah. Well, this is episode 18 in the books now, man. When we started, when we, we pretty much restarted this podcast, I was on episode four. Now we're on episode 18, dude. That's Isn't that unbelievable? 14 think, episodes think later. about the amount of weeks and then the amount of months because typically it was only one podcast a week. This podcast has been rolling for yeah, at man. least going on three, four months now. Yeah, man. I, I'm excited to see where things go. Nine months from now, it's going to be a podcast baby and a little mic, a little baby microphone is going to come out. <laughs> Oh, There's man. a baby, Mike. A <laughs> <super> baby camera. <laughs> but all right, man. I got, I got nothing else. What do you think? You got anything else? I've, I've got nothing else. Um, all you hockey fans out there, man, enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, enjoy the rest of this. Uh, I can't even remember who's playing anymore. This uh, Oilers Golden Knights game. You know, it's about to be the start of the third period. I love doing this. I hope you guys enjoy listening to this show. Um, had a couple people reach out to me on Twitter about the podcast and I'm just super excited to see this thing grow and we put so much hard work into it and I've got everybody asking me about when are we going to get on the show but man we're so busy with the regular season right now it's hard to even keep my own life on straight (laughs) we're trying man we're we're rolling and we're trying we're really trying we're rolling and burning just like uh, the San Jose Sharks Let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep the pucks bouncing. Let's get pucks in deep. I got Absolutely. nothing else. You got nothing oh, one, else. One thing I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose on the podcast here. I know it's getting it's getting about that time. It's it's been spooky season since like late September. Y'all can argue with me all you want, <laughs> but the main thing I want to bring up is what are you going to be for Halloween? I, I don't dress up. So. I know some people don't dress up. Some people do. I think I'm gonna dress up for Halloween, but it's 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 for a, it's for a, a joke. I'm a practical joke. I'm gonna do it work. It's gonna be so funny. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not gonna spoil it just in case my coworkers are listening to this podcast right now. I feel uh, like it, it, it's gonna be so great. I'm so excited. I feel like um, doing the old. Uh, you know uh, how Joey used to dress up from Full House in the old Detroit Red Wings jersey? I feel like doing oh, that. That'd be funny. That'd I feel be like, pretty great. I feel like doing that with the Jason mask on with the uh, the jersey cut. <laughs> it's funny. 
That'd be pretty good. Uh, I'm just thinking, I gotta make it hockey-related. There, there's nothing really scary about a goon. Not, not really anything... Not, not, nothing scary about a goon unless you're Scott Stevens or... Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, damn. I'm thinking of uh, George Laurent. That's who I'm thinking of. That'd be funny. That'd yeah. be funny. You can do you can do a horror theme of like a hockey player or something like that. Yeah, I'm just. You like, can like you can like turn the hockey players like look into a serial killer or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I could be a serial killing goon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or like one of the like the D two Mighty Ducks or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know, man. Just a horror theme of like D two. Just call, just call me Charlie Conway. <laughs> exactly, Conway. Exactly, like 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 serial killing Conway. That'd be great. But anyway, Man, find it on Disney Plus. Find it on Disney Plus if you haven't watched it. <laughs> if you're if you don't have Disney Plus, if you have an iPhone, go buy it. Dude, definitely get the package. I, I yeah, love the get package. It. I've got ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus. Yeah, and it gives me all the hockey games. It's it's fantastic. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. As long yeah. as the media people can figure out how to run a video board. <laughs> if you don't have a, if you don't have Disney Plus, go get the bundle. If you don't want to get the bundle, that's fine. Go buy the movie. Go buy all of the Mighty Ducks movies. You'll be inspired. Probably not as inspired as you will watching Miracle, but it's still really great hockey movies. Still or, just as good. Just, just prime prime content. Go, go watch Goon, too. Goon is a good movie, too. If you haven't seen it, I think um, I think Goon rap... I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not, but it's a good movie, man. You guys gotta go check that out. Check out all your... So, I was online. listening to... The Mixed Morning Show this morning. Uh, I think it was on the Mixed Morning Show for 100.7. And I, I'm a big fan of, of Laura and Brody, who, who do the morning show literally every morning. And it's fantastic to listen to on my ride to work. So they went over the, the top three worst candies and chocolates for you at Halloween. Can you guess which actual one is the worst for you? I'm going to say anything with caramel in it. Okay, okay, so, so there's one. Caramello? Two and three. I'm gonna say Caramello, Hershey's. Damn. I'm thinking nerds. Wow. Close. Cl- close, but not quite. So, Caramel's was number one, is the worst. Anything with caramel in it. Number two. Starburst number mm-hmm. three, and I was shocked. I was shocked and appalled, frankly. Lifesaver gummies. What? Yeah, it's not me. It's not me. I'm just the messenger. Lifesaver gummies, the top third worst candy for you at Halloween. Wow. Jeez, I know, and they're great. I mean, I don't eat them like I eat Skittles. I don't eat them like I eat Skittles. Thankfully, Skittles was not on that list. Yeah. But man, holy cow. If Skittles were on that list, I I don't think I would have made it to 25. No, I... Man, Skittles... 
Oh man, I I remember as a kid having jawbreakers. Oh, uh, gobs. Those, I don't remember jawbreakers, but I know whoppers. No, those were the, no gobstoppers. Everlasting gobstoppers. Those are sweet, but I mean, like when I was a kid, I remember like these big, huge. Um, they were. They they were like huge gobstoppers. They tasted so good, but you couldn't chew them, or it would legit break your jaw. So, like you can like suck on them all day long, and and still have the the savor. Uh, you can still savor the taste. So like th- those were like what I grew up on, and I specifically grew up on those because of the old uh, Cartoon Network show Ed, Ed and Eddie, how they used of to course, always have jawbreakers, jaw and you stuff that huge yeah. like jawbreaker in your cheek, yeah. in the cartoon ear, yeah. would stick out every time. Yeah, and I was like, man, I want one of those. But the thing was with actual jawbreakers, they were too small. Yeah. That it didn't like satisfy me the way Ed, Ed and Eddie did yeah. and I was afraid I was going to swallow it and choke on it <laughs> so I wasn't really the biggest fan of jawbreakers but man if I had a jawbreaker from Ed, Ed and Eddie oh that would be the life oh you know what else was good fun dip when I was a kid those were those were like big things when I was growing up as a kid fun dip I liked fun dip but then as a, like I got older I didn't like it anymore because no, I'm yeah, like I'm oh, I run out of sugar stick no, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the same way. I'm just saying, as a kid, that's what I grew up on. Like, baby uh, bottle pops were bussing. Oh man, don't even get me started. Every uh, time I had a baby bottle pop, it was from Blockbuster. Oh man, those were the days. That was like, like throw. That's like, like when, major when, throwback. When, when I used to, so this is like we're aging ourselves at this point. Yeah, when I, when I used to go freaking uh, trick or treating, like the all the good candy is what you would get. Like. I had two instances. One really great person, well, house that I would go to, and then there was one crap house. The good house handed out money. Yeah, definitely. Like, I went back and dressed up as something else every time that I went around the block. I would, like, take something off and pretend I was something else just so that he would give me more money. So That's I went fantastic. around and That's the way would, to do it He would give me 20s and 10s and whatever And then he would see me and he's like Didn't I see you already? I'm like, no I'm an astronaut now <laughs> so, I'm an astronaut now, can't you tell? Yeah, so like Jeez, learn to see, bud Yeah, and then uh, So that was the good house And then I had the crap house um, Who would give me apples For some reason like that's every, like tradition. No, like that's every, like Dia de los Muertos tradition stuff is to give out fruits. Yeah, but like it's not even the like the sweet Granny Smith apples I like so much. It's like these red, dry apples. Oh, those just, are Macintosh the, apples. The, yeah, those are like they, really that's like suck. real Dia de los Muertos stuff. They suck. So like I, I would like I would get I really like don't. I, like I'd get all the good candy like Twix and Snickers and all I got like uh, Skittles and Laffy Taffy and whatever you want to call it now and then I would get it's still Laffy Taffy yeah and then I would get to the end of my I would get to the end of all my trick or treating and there would be like three people that handed out apples I'm like the, the hell am I gonna do with an apple. I don't want to eat an Dude, apple. Don't after eat candy. 
I don't want to eat an eat apple. Eat healthy stuff instead. Yeah, you're gonna be the yeah, one I, apple I out of like the three thousand pieces three. of candy. I'm rambling. <laughs> no, I, de- I definitely didn't bring home apples, but I know for a fact I I brought home tiny pumpkins. Oh, there you go. Something. Yeah, like small pumpkins. But man, like. I, I don't know how I was feeling about the pumpkins because sometimes, like, that bag, it's pretty pretty dang heavy. Yeah. But, see, like, when we went trick-or-treating, there was one year that we ended up going to, like, different neighborhoods. So what happened was we filled up my regular trick-or-treating bag, which was, like, a, it was, like, a, a, a werewolf hand and then a bag that came out of the hand. So you put candy in the hand and it goes in the bag. That's but awesome. then when the bag gets full, that bag... What happens was we poured that bag into a separate pillowcase in the car, and so the hand would be empty and we'd go to a different neighborhood, so I literally could just get mounds of candy. There you go. It was literally piles and piles and mounds of candy, and it was to the point where I was literally giving it away at school, and I was like the coolest kid on the block. We're teaching kids on a hockey podcast how to how to get the most candy. If only we could teach them how to make the most money. <laughs> Don't take my advice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, are you investing in Bitcoin and Dogecoin but, but, over here? When I was big into Dogecoin, I mean, I'm not going to go on a tangent here, but when I was big into Dogecoin, I legitimately had to change my bio to say my, like, my crypto advice is not financial advice. <laughs> So if you go broke, is it me? It's my fault. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this up and, yeah, and get us out of here. Yeah, we're, we're rambling um, and, and enjoying ourselves way too much, trying to get to the six-figure life. For uh, sure, six. This is the this is the way to do it. Episode um, eighteen in the books. For those of you guys playing hockey out there, whether you're in the street, in a gym, outside, craziest thing I saw in the woods. If you're in the woods um, and you're playing hockey, enjoying the sport, never forget, crush that net.